Good evening, everyone. As Dunk said, my name is Chris, and um, I'm part of the staff team here. I work here full-time. I'm uh, married to B, who you met earlier, and together we lead this, the evening meeting, which we love. Um, before we get into our passage for tonight, I just wanted to share a, a great story with you of what God's doing in our church at the moment, uh, because if you just come on a Sunday, then you miss some of the other things that are going on. And um, on Wednesday, we had our 12 o'clock service. Lots of you will know about that midweek service that we run for people that come through our social hub and our food bank and all that kind of thing. And this week, on Wednesday, we had four people get baptized and profess their faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Just, God is at work in that congregation. He's doing so much with those people. And just a joy to, you know, these pictures, just people who have said, I'm going to live for Jesus. I've put my faith in him, and I'm excited for that journey. So I wanted to share that with you. Praise Jesus. He is building his church and restoring the broken. So tonight, um, as we, you've heard already, we're in a, a new series, and we're going to be speaking from the book of Mark, um, which is in the New Testament, in the Bible. The New Testament, for those that you don't know, is just the bits from Jesus' life onwards. And uh, Mark tells a, an account of Jesus' life and what he did. So that's what we're reading from. And uh, this series called When Jesus Met is basically... Ha, series just come up on my phone. Go away. Um, <laughs> this series, When Jesus Met, is um, all about us basically looking at the encounters that Jesus had with some people when he was around on earth. And using those encounters to learn about him. Because you do, don't you? As soon as you see someone interacting, maybe even it's here on a Sunday, you see what they're like, you see how they talk, how they act around different people, you get to know them, you get familiar with them, and that's our aim, is to basically understand a bit more about what is Jesus like, what does he say, what does he want of us? But also, more than that, is it's not just going over the tales of old and like, oh, it was nice, Jesus was lovely to that person, he did that for that person. But I totally believe that as we look at these encounters, we're going to have encounters of our own. And that as we go through these moments, we're going to create our own moments and these stories and write our own stories. So I want you to come into this series genuinely with faith that, okay, we've got two months looking at when Jesus met this person, this person, this person. What could happen when he meets me? What could happen tonight when he comes and meets with me? And come with that kind of expectation as we go through this series and think, I wonder what might happen when Jesus met. So that's kind of what we're going to go for over the next couple of months. I want you to have faith. Let's come into it with faith. We'll get into the passage now, and we're going to read Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through to 12. If you've got a Bible, I encourage you to have it open and keep it open so that you can follow along as I pick bits up um, or get up on your phone. If you don't, the words will be on the screen so you can follow along up there. I'm going to read Mark 2, verse 1 through to verse 12. It's talking about Jesus. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the beds on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, 
Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So tonight we're looking at the time when Jesus met this paralyzed man. And uh, just before we kind of start going through it verse by verse, just a very brief kind of catch up on where things are at. Um, at this point in time, Jesus is a grown up, he's an adult, he's about 30 odd years old. Um, but so far he actually hasn't done that much. He was born and grew up as a relatively, as much as you can, being kind of God and man at the same time, normal boy, teenager, young man. And then we read in chapter one of Mark that, that he, when he grown up, grows up, he gets baptized in water. After that, he goes out into the wilderness. And there he is tempted by the devil, by Satan. But he resists temptation. He doesn't give in to it. And he returns. And then the Bible says, so begins his ministry. Now, all we mean when we say Jesus' ministry is essentially that he kind of started to do stuff, where before he hadn't, all of a sudden he started preaching the gospel, telling them that the kingdom is at hand. He gathered his disciples, the, the 12 people that were going to become his closest companions and his followers through his time on earth, and he started performing loads and loads and loads of miracles. So much so that his reputation spread throughout the whole region. And in fact, in chapter 1, verse 34, says, Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons. So he was doing loads and loads and loads of this stuff wherever he went. And people were talking. People were beginning to hear about what this man had been doing throughout Galilee. And so we come to our passage, chapter 2. And we're just going to go through kind of verse by verse by verse. So the first couple of verses says he returned to Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was at home. So there's everyone chatting already about him. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So he returns to Capernaum, I guess to kind of this base, this house, this home of his but he can't escape the crowds. Word gets out, and so people start to flock to him. They want to get close to Jesus. They want to see Jesus do some of probably this cool stuff they've heard lots about. So much so that they cram into the house and even kind of overflow out the doors and windows. Commentators reckon that a house of this size maybe you could squeeze in like 40, 50 people at best. But even that is very much like sardine-style, shoulder-to-shoulder on each other's toes. Such was the reputation and such was the, the desperation of people to want to see him and get close to him, to see what's he going to do next. And then verses 3 and 4, this is where it kind of begins to get pretty interesting. So it says, And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So we have four guys that take their friends to Jesus, to see Jesus. On some sort of like mat or bed type thing, 
Because like everyone else, they too have heard the reports. They've heard that he's been healing people. Just before where we are, he heals a man of leprosy. They think, oh my goodness, if he can do that, what else could he do? So they're like, we have to get him to Jesus. This is our, our one shot while he's in the area. We have to get him there. And so they, they convinced their friend. Maybe at first he wasn't up for it. I, I don't know. I, I think I probably would have been a little bit skeptical and cynical of the whole thing. They say, no, 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 we, we really, you, this is your only chance. We have to get you there. You might be able to walk again if you could just meet this guy. The friend agrees. So they get him on this mat and they carry him as quickly as they can to Jesus' house. So they can beat the crowds and beat the rush. They know this is their only shot. They're so determined. It has to be now. But it would have been well hot. Like really hot. And so this is hard work. It's not just like a stroll from one house next door and then you're into the next one. These guys would have had to walk a distance carrying their friends who, even if he was a little bit frail, is still carrying a human that you want to be very careful with through that kind of heat. These guys are having to go through something to get there. But so determined and so full of faith, they can just get to him. They just, just get to where he is. Then something might happen. They go as fast as they can in that heat. And they're, they're there, they want to beat the crowds, and they arrive, and they see from afar, we're too late. Even from a distance, they can see that, oh man, there's people outside the house. We've got no chance. There's no way we're getting in. I mean, just imagine the, the disappointment that they must have had at that point like psyching themselves up, psyching their friend up, going through all of that effort, getting there and being too late. You'd be devastated, crushed. And again, like put yourself in the friend's shoes. Maybe he at that point was like, oh, this was such a waste of time. Like, let's just go home. Let's not bother. But not with these guys. Not with these guys. So determined, so full of faith. They get there and they kind of try and wiggle their way in, you know, shoulder themselves in. They even consider, can we like crowd surf him across the top? Is that going to work? They think better of it. So they think, fine, right, well, we'll just have to do the next best thing. We'll get on the roof. Now, um, I must just like temper your expectations at this point, because when I kind of read this passage before I prepped for this, I very much had visions of them like scaling like a two-story house on the walls, like a kind of Spider-Man style thing. It would not have been quite that dramatic. Um, houses of this time actually would have had probably a staircase on the outside to get up and get access onto the roof. And uh, so they go up there, and uh, the roof would have been made of kind of compacted dirt and kind of thatching. In Luke's account of the same story, read there's like tiles on the roof. Um, they're up there, and it would have been flat. So there's just, just these like four guys carrying their friend on someone's roof. I mean, that in and of itself is a, a comical picture. Such is their faith. And it is just worth stopping and kind of taking in like, what is going on in this story. They break through someone else's roof. Now, B and I are in the process of buying a house at the moment, which we're incredibly excited about. If someone broke through our roof, I don't know to get to what, to get to us, mate, I, I would be absolutely livid. <laughs> so don't do it. Don't take that from this sermon. That is not what I want you to take away tonight. But these guys, so so audacious in their faith. They're going to break through someone else's home just to get to Jesus. We can skip over that quite quickly sometimes when we read this. So they're on the roof. Maybe the paralyzed man at this point is kind of embarrassed. He's like, oh my goodness, like, please, guys, you just take me home. Like, we tried. You gave it your best shot. These guys are having none of it. Maybe down, downstairs, 
you're in the crowd, and you manage to get one of the hot seats next to Jesus, and you just kind of hear this like thudding. <laughs> what? what is that? That's bizarre. And Jesus looks up, and he knows, he knows what's going to happen. Um, and then these guys, they just start like scraping at the roof. Now, bear in mind, they didn't think they were going to have to do this, so it's not like they came with like a handyman's belt of tools. <laughs> They're literally just there like with their hands, clawing at this dirt. I just think that's, that's absurd, like just clawing through this hard mud just because they want to get their friend to Jesus. Such is their faith. And maybe at that point, again, back down in the house, all of a sudden just like little bits just start hitting people. What, what was that? And Jesus, Jesus knows. He sees it coming down. He's like, this is going to be well good. And they keep scraping. They scrape, until eventually, one of them gets a hand through. And there's just a hand flopping around underneath the ceiling. And everyone looks up and thinks, what on earth is going on? What on earth is about to happen? They continue to pull back this dirt. And the debris is falling down everywhere. People are backing off from Jesus at this point because they don't want to get hit by the falling mud and thatching. They keep going. They keep going until they get a hole big enough to fit a grown man through on a mat. So we're not talking like, yeah, like at least this, right? That's a big hole. That's a lot of stuff they've had to shift to get their friend down to Jesus. And then they, they kind of peer in, they lie on their stomachs, and they, they, they let down their friend on this mat before Jesus. And at that point, you're kind of like, you just hope that they've clocked the right point in the house. Like, if Jesus was all the way over there, and they're like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> But let's presume that they did. Let's presume that they got it right. They peer down, and everyone at that point is just wondering, what is Jesus going to do as this guy meets him for the very first time? And just want to pause here. What do you notice about this story so far? I've been dropping not-so-subtle hints along the way. Whose faith was it that got their friends to Jesus? Whose faith overcame the disappointment? Whose faith was it that actually broke through a physical barrier to get to Jesus, even when it seemed like the door had been closed before them? It says it in verse 5. Jesus says it when he saw their faith. The faith of the friends got their friend to Jesus. These guys had faith for their friend, perhaps even when he didn't. As I mentioned, I, I don't know what he would have been thinking, but certainly I think I would have... I mean, imagine being lowered down through a hole in the ceiling on your mat in front of a massive crowd of 50 people. The scribes are there. I don't know what would be going through your head at that point. But they had faith for him, perhaps even when he didn't. They carried him to Jesus even when he physically could not. And they refused to give up, even when the circumstances in front of them, as I said, seemed to be a closed door, no option, no alternative. Jesus loves it. He's so thrilled, so delighted with this kind of faith. And I just want to share a quick story of, of when this happened to me, where, where a friend carried me closer to Jesus. And actually, he's here tonight. Michael sat down here. I've recently got to know Michael um, in the church. He's relatively new here to Grace Church. He works for Radiant Cleaners. And uh, I was prepping the other day in the office upstairs on Thursday. And um, I just kind of had hit a wall at like 2 o'clock on Thursday afternoon. 
I guess I just kind of lacked faith for my message. I'd done a lot of work. I had a thing that I could bring. I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do before Sunday. I don't know what I'm going to land with. And I was just a bit spent. Then Michael comes in just to change the bin. He's like, can I change the bin? Yeah, sure. Asked me what I was up to. He said, I'm prepping for Sunday. I had a quick chat about that. And then Michael offered to pray for me. Now, at that point, being totally honest, when you're in that place where you're kind of just like a bit fed up with stuff, inside, I was like, ah. I kind of just want to crack on. But you can't really say no in that situation, can you? So I was like, yeah, go on in. Go on in, Michael. Um, And Michael started praying for me. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And all of a sudden, I I was just sat in the chair. I just felt the presence of God come in the room. I felt the spirit just, just well up in me. And it wasn't anything new. Like Michael wasn't saying anything, anything that I hadn't heard before. Just speaking truth over me. Chris, God loves you. In fact, he really likes you. He's so excited for Sunday, no matter what you bring. He's got great plans for you. He's already in this message. Can't you see that? And then he began to prophesy over me and speak life into me. And honestly, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, what are the chances? I mean, God ordained, so actually quite high. But like, <laughs> I just, I felt in that moment like I, had, like I had been carried closer to Jesus. When I didn't have the faith, when I was just a bit at the end of myself, someone else picked me up through prayer and took me to where I needed to be. Thank you, Michael. You, you helped me in this. You got me closer to Jesus. And Jesus loves that faith. And that's exactly what's happening in this passage. He loves it when, when a community, a family of people get around each other and where one person lacks it, others pick up the slack. He loves that. And you know what? You guys, the evening meeting, you are so good at this already. So I want to commend you. I want to say well done. I know numerous stories of people who, individuals in different situations, up against it physically, mentally, emotionally, just a circumstance in their life that they cannot budge. And then you just, I just hear, oh, this person gave them a lift and helped them get there. These people just helped them stay at their house for a while. They prayed for them. They, they gave financially to support them. Friends gathering round individuals to help them when they didn't have the faith to see it through. Jesus loves it, and he's so pleased with it, and he's so proud of you. So well done. Let's keep going. Let's be that community that pick up the slack. Because sometimes it is hard. When, you're, when you feel like you're on your own, isolated, it, it, it can be hard. We need each other. You need the other people in this room. All of us do. I don't care how together you think you are. You need these people to carry you closer to Jesus like these friends did. Jesus loves it. Well, how do we know Well, because upon seeing their faith, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. But at that point, this is kind of not what the guys were hoping for. So they're like, ha, didn't see that coming. What do we do now? And in the room, everyone's just really shocked because that wasn't what they were expecting. Everyone thought there was going to be a miracle moment. And then he says, son, your sins are forgiven. The surprise. Who's ever come to Jesus and he's not done what you're expecting? Yeah. Yeah. I know what that's like. And sometimes it can just be like really frustrating. 
You just think, no, don't do that. <laughs> do the thing that I asked for. <laughs> but I promise you, he knows best. But this situation is totally unexpected. And not least for the scribes. So we read about the scribes that were there. Scribes are teachers of the law. And, and they questioned in their hearts in verse 7, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because they know that only God can forgive sins, which is true. He's the only one that can do it. So they are absolutely seething inside, not externally, when Jesus says this. And then Jesus, with the help of the Spirit, just discerns what's going on in their heart, reads them perfectly, and calls them out in front of everyone. In verse 7, then into 8, Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? And then he goes on to ask a question which perhaps on first reading just seems a little bit bizarre and kind of not sure what Jesus is trying to get at, where he says, uh, which, verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And just kind of want to explain what's going on here in this moment. Jesus is asking that question because he, he knows full well kind of what everyone in the room is thinking. That actually, it's much easier for him to say your sins are forgiven because they can't measure that. They can't test that. There's nothing they can do to kind of check whether this has happened or not. And so he, he almost accepts that premise and takes them on their own ground, as it were, and says, okay, you can't measure that. I'm going to give you the physical sign that you're so seeking to prove, and so you can work backwards and say, because well, I've done this, which is actually demonstrably harder and more difficult to do, because they can test it. If it hadn't have worked, Jesus would have been an absolute fraud. So it's harder, a lot more pressure. He says, I'm going to show you that I can do this to prove I have done that. So he accepts their premise, and to prove that he does have authority on earth to forgive sins, he heals the man. We read that in verse 11 and then verse 12. Jesus says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God. Jesus heals the man completely in every way possible. And this moment would have been absolutely monumental for the paralyzed guy. From being paralyzed, we don't know for how long, but in whatever time that was, he couldn't work. He wouldn't have been able to provide for himself in any way. Couldn't do anything himself. He'd be entirely dependent probably on these four guys. And he'd be a social outcast. He'd be looked down on by the whole of society. And Jesus, in a moment, just undoes and unravels all of that in the blink of an eye. Jesus frees him from his physical bondage just as he has already freed him from his spiritual bondage. He uses the physical to demonstrate the spiritual. This is what Jesus came to do, to heal us completely. 
to mend our broken bodies? Yes, because the kingdom is at hand. To rid us of sickness and, and usher in the kingdom of God? Yes. But more than that, to heal the fractured relationship between us and God. To make forgiveness of sins possible by going to the cross and dying in our place. That's what he came to do. The physical healing here simply serves as a taste and a sign of the spiritual healing and the spiritual restoration that he has made possible. This guy, this paralyzed man, came here expecting to have his life changed. That's what his friends were hoping for. That's what he was hoping for. That's why they went. He ended up having his destiny changed as well in the blink of an eye. All he needed was a few friends with some audacious faith. Just faith in the right direction. They didn't have faith for his sins to be forgiven. They just had faith that they just got to get close to Jesus. Faith in the right direction. And then just one encounter with Jesus changed his life. Ham, when you're ready, do you and the band want to come up? I read a great quote from uh, one of the commentators that I read in the lead up to today by Walter Wessel. Uh, and he says this, talking of the, the, the question that he posed about which is easier. He says, of course, as Jesus meant the words, neither of the two was easier. Both were alike impossible to men and equally easy for God. Jesus can do anything. He can. We read it time and time and time and time again. My life is testimony to the fact that Jesus can do anything. Your life is testimony to the fact that Jesus can do anything. All it took was some, well, some mild vandalism and some faith. The good news is you only have to do the second one. <laughs> we, the game has changed for us. We don't need to access a physical space like they did. We simply need to accept the spiritual reality that the spirit of Jesus now lives inside of us. You know, when Hannah prophesied at the beginning of our worship about people feeling like they need to get somewhere, but just actually God just wants to say, no, I'm, I'm right here. Just, just see me, just know me. Romans 8 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So to have an encounter with Jesus, to have yourself change, you don't have to go anywhere. You just have to acknowledge that he's right here with us, with you. You don't need to settle for being on the edge of a crowd. You never need to settle for that. You don't need to work hard to get in. You never need to do that anymore. He did all the hard work for you. So that now when you have an encounter with Jesus, all you need a little bit of faith in the right direction and anything can happen. What we're going to do is we're going to sing and uh, then we're going to spend a little bit of time, we're going to pray for one another, pray for the sick to be healed and we're going to pray for anyone who wants to know Jesus for the first time. So um, Hannah and the band are going to lead us in a song. Why don't you stand and then we'll see what Jesus wants to do.